Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick, bringing you another episode here. It is summer. We're rolling along. I suppose if you're like me, you're starting to get the itch just a little bit. Here we are, the, the end of July. Um, you know, I'm just knocking these podcasts out in between baseball and lawn care, everything else. But uh, I'm, I'm starting to get the itch. Um, it's it's getting close, uh, but you know this particular podcast we are going to talk a little bit about summer coyote hunting um, and using decoy dogs. Got my good buddy Colton Gillum on with Wyoming Predator Hunts. He's been on a podcast before. Um, if you're around social media and things like that, I'm I'm sure you're familiar with him. But uh, you know he's been at it with clients um, all summer. He loves the dog, so that's what we're going to talk about. So it should be fun. Uh, interested to hear some of his stories uh, from this past summer. Uh, I watched a little bit of his, uh, some video and things like that, that he had on his Instagram page. And it's always wild, man, when you get those decoy dogs running out there. So curious to see what he has to say, but before we get going, um, we're getting close to, uh, me launching everything, uh, with my coyote craze college classes this, this upcoming season. I know a lot of you have been over on my website, which is coyotecraze.com. You can find all the information there. You know, I'll be releasing those dates, uh, for the upcoming classes this fall and winter here in August. So um, if you're not, um, if you haven't been on my website, go to it and there'll be a spot where you can subscribe to the newsletter on the homepage. Now, everybody on that newsletter will get an email blast uh, the morning that I release all those dates. Now, those dates are all first come, first serve. Last last year, they booked up in about eight hours. So I'm hoping to uh, maybe add on a few extra classes to maybe meet the demand a little bit. Um, but, uh, we'll see. So if you're interested in coming out for one of those classes, don't delay, jump over onto my website, subscribe to that newsletter. And then once you get that email blast, uh, hopefully you can jump on one of those dates and we'll see you out here in Nebraska this fall and winter for, for a coyote school. Um, but before we jump into this podcast, I need to thank sponsor, the sponsors of this podcast, which are silencer central and Cryptech. Now I was just over on the silencer central website. I'm still waiting on my, uh, banished backcountry suppressor. I uh, haven't quite got it yet, uh, finishing on some paperwork and things like that. But hopefully I should have it here uh, before we get to killing coyotes here in October. But uh, one thing that's really cool about about that website is how easy it is to get a suppressor. It just always blows my mind, you know, over the years of, of you know, putting in for these suppressors and, and doing this stuff. You know, this they have streamlined it. I just it's it's unreal how how well they've got this thing streamlined. I mean, another thing, too, I just noticed when I was on their website and I've talked about it before is how easy it is to get an, an NFA gun trust. Now, the thing about it is, you know, usually back in the day, I have a gun trust, but I had to pay a lawyer 500 bucks to write this thing up for me. You know, Silencer Central will do one for you for free. Um, all you have to do is purchase a suppressor. Um, you know, this this trust will allow you to share ownership of your suppressor with other people that you, you mention on the trust, whether it's your son's daughter's wife, father, whoever it may be. You know, the thing about it, if you do an individual ownership and you end up dying or you want to get rid of that suppressor, whoever takes ownership of your new suppressor has to file all the, the paperwork, the $200 stamp to get it transferred. But if you have an NFA gun trust and their names are on there, then they can use that trust without having to, to do that $200 transfer. So it's it's pretty cool. You know, it says on, on their website that they've done over 15,000 of these gun trusts now. Um, so, I mean, that's, uh, that's a ton, that's a ton. So, and then the cool part about it, they'll keep this gun trust on file for you. So whenever you come back in the future to buy any more suppressors, it's right there, um, to do it. So, 
So stay tuned. I'm hoping to get my hands on this. Obviously, you guys are going to hear a lot more about Silencer Central once once I get this banished backcountry um, and I start shooting it. But in the meantime, if if you're looking at getting going, you know, the wait times probably aren't going to get any shorter. So, uh, you know, if you're waiting on that, you're waiting too long. So jump on silencercentral.com and you can check out uh, just how easy it is to, to grab yourself a suppressor nowadays. Now, with Cryptek, they have revamped their website here earlier this spring. I talked about that on a previous podcast. Um, super cool, you know, streamlined now. Um, I actually just got a shipment of some stuff in the other day. I haven't, to, to be honest with you, I'm so been so busy with baseball and everything else. I haven't even had a chance to break it out of the box, but I did see, I got me a new set of those over whites. Uh, this last winter, man, I, I wore those over whites probably more than any other camo, just the winter, winter that we had. Um, and, and I wore them out, you know, they have a few little tears in them and things like that. We're crossing fences and stuff, which normal wear and tear. But other than that, man, they held up great. Um, you know, the knees didn't get ripped out. Seams were intact. Probably as far as snow covers that I've had in the past, these have held up as good or better than anything. So, um, you know, you might want to pick you up a, a, a pair of those, depending on what part of the country you live in. And, uh, you know, I think in that box, too, I had, um, I think they call it a Tataros hoodie. You know, to be honest with you, man, that's what I roll with a lot. If you watch the last stand videos, I'm usually just wearing a hoodie. You know, a lot of times if it's 40, 50, 60 degrees, I'm not having to bundle up a whole lot. Um, but if but if it is, you know, I have that Dalibor 3 jacket that I really like. It's it's not super heavy, but it's just that extra layer that I can put over that hoodie, um, you know, for those chilly mornings. Because really, that's the name of the game when you're coyote hunting, especially if you're hunting all day like I do from sun up to sundown. You have sometimes 40, 50, 60 degree temperature swings. So you're layering up, you're walking, you're sitting, you're back in the truck, you're walking, you're sitting. So layering is key. And, you know, if you go through that Cryptek website, you'll see all the options they have for undershirts, you know, hoodies, lightweight jackets, heavier jackets, bibs, lightweight pants. I mean, they have it all. Um, and for me, it's the Highlander pattern. That's where it's at. Um, you know, this more Western open country, that pattern has a lot of the tans and light browns, very, very minimal dark colors, the the dark, dark browns, the blacks, which, uh, you know, there's not a lot of that out there when you're sitting on a side hill trying to shoot coyotes. So um, if you're market for uh, picking up some new camo this this fall, swing on over to cryptech.com and see everything they have to offer. Well, Colton, great to have you back on the podcast, buddy. Yeah, man. Great to be here. Always look forward to it. Your summer must be winding down a little bit. You actually had a little bit of time to to jump on here with me. Yeah. Yeah, we went hard there for a little bit, you know, kind of slow down and shut things off when uh, the weather starts to get too hot. You know, it's always amazing. You know, you know, I've talked about this a lot, but, you know, for me, it's a seasonal. Coyote hunting has always been a seasonal thing, right? And a lot of it has to do with just the nature of my other business, my lawn care business and things like that. But for you, you know, it's it's a year time, a year round thing, right? Yeah, it is. It it is nowadays anyway. It used to be used to be kind of a seasonal thing for me too. You know, when I was in in school and in sports and stuff. But um, since I started the the guiding and the dogs and, and <clears throat> just the whole uh, equation of everything, yeah, we pretty pretty hard on them all throughout the year nowadays. Does it? It's you know, obviously, it's a different style of hunting, right? using decoy dogs versus even the night hunting versus the day hunting in the fall, winter and that kind of thing. Does it, you know, for me, I, you know, at the end of the, of the winter, you know, come March, like I'm like, man, I'm honestly, I'm like, damn, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to be done. You know, like, okay, I've had my fill. It's time to go do something different. 
do you get that way? But then when, when it, the decoy dogging is so much different that it kind of sparks a little bit of different enthusiasm when, when that season comes around. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. Uh, like you said, you know, you, you kind of are excited anticipating the next season, but um, you know, I've found to, for me personally, I have to give myself a little bit of a break uh, in between seasons, but about the same time period as you say, you know, uh, when the, the, uh, uh, winter and the first season and all that stuff is winding down. Uh, I'm thinking about the dogs and thinking about the, the green grass and the, you know, the summer, <laughs> the summer snakes. spring atmosphere. We don't see too many snakes <laughs> oh. to be honest, but thankfully uh, a few here and there, usually our snakes come out more about now, you know, August and, and late July. Um, yeah we we kind of shut down about the time they start coming out i think so works out good with the snakes but so my excuse wouldn't work when people ask me why i don't hunt coyotes in the summer i say i don't like snakes and i don't like mosquitoes that's <laughs> yeah. that's not a very good reasoning <laughs> yeah. yeah we're good on the snakes usually but <laughs> the mosquitoes are pretty horrendous man they <laughs> they eat you up there's been several guys come out decoy dogging with me uh you know one one uh hunt i remember uh, vividly was with uh, one of my my guys named Waller, and he I was getting eaten alive on the stand before before that one, but he uh, he hadn't put bug spray on, and I had told him you better put some spray on. You know, sun's going down, we're sitting on the edge of you know some some ag field type country, and I knew the mosquitoes were going to be thicker than they'd been anywhere we'd been you know throughout the hunt, and so I I stuck it in the back of his his lucky duck seat and I just walked he was sitting a little bit too far away for me to talk to on stand but I just remember watching him get annihilated but he hung <laughs> tough and didn't want to move or talk or be a puss so <laughs> he made it through the stand and we ended up killing a couple cows so I guess it was worth it <laughs> well hey they should come up with some mosquito repellent that's like uh like a, a special cover scent Right, like, uh, you know, <coughs> although that yeah. probably doesn't matter during the decoy dogging, right? We know that, right? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it'd be just another another gimme, yeah. gimmick type deal, you know, like selling you something when really, if they smell a mosquito spray, you you were screwed long before that. <laughs> you know, is it th that summer spring kind of hunting? Is it is it? Do you ever go hard like a you know like you and I, you know, hunting hard, like in a, in a October, November, December, like all day, sun, sundown is, <clears throat> is that usually the case or normally does it get hot enough where, you know, you have to shut it down just because the dogs are constantly running and it just too, too much exertion on them or. Yeah. Out here, it kind of just depends on the week. The weather changes so much um, <clears throat> that it kind of just depends on, on that specific hunt. But I was talking to somebody the other day about that. Um, and actually, uh about you and you know the pace that we go at um maybe say like when we're tournament hunting or something um with the boys you know it's it, it's really on the throttle the whole hunt you know we're not slowing up and we're not uh it's it's more uh decoy season comparing to you know first season or, or tournament season would be it's it's more quality over over quantity as far as, as stands go you know we're looking for specific stands we may walk a mile in if we have to or um 
you know, just, just looking for water or places where the coyotes maybe will, will make a hole uh, to raise their pups in rather than, you know, making as many stands as you can throughout the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, hoping to get just any coyote out there. We're looking for, for the older, meaner, you know, denning coyotes more so. So goal, I mean, you're looking for one, just one crazy show on one stand. I mean, is that like, was that a huge, is that like, would that be considered a successful morning is if you just had one pair work you like they're supposed to work? I mean, that's kind of what we're looking for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, uh, the atmosphere and the uh, engagement from, you know, an older, meaner pair of coyotes is, is second to none. It's, it's worth more than, you know, five to 10 singles to me, you know, I'd yeah, rather yeah. just watch the dogs work some nasty coyotes than <laughs> shoot a couple half-assed coyotes that maybe trot in and kind of look at the dog, but it, it just depends. Everybody's different. And, you know, the majority of the guys that I'm hunting with are, are guided guys that don't get to really shoot that many coyotes. So just, just shooting coyotes is, is success to them. You know, <clears throat> it, it doesn't really uh, matter to me. I enjoy being out there with the dogs and stuff, but that's, that's what we're searching for. You know, we're searching for the oldest, meanest coyotes in the, in the country. How did you, when was the first time you were ever around a, a decoy dog on stand when you saw this happen and it was like, man, I gotta, I gotta start getting my own dogs. I gotta get into this. Cause this is pretty sweet. Well, I had a, a, a Weimaraner dog back in the day. Uh, yeah. His, his name was Camel. Um, and there was several times where we had just stumbled into some coyotes, you know, out looking for sheds in the spring or, or messing around, whatever it was, fishing. It it just like naturally happened a couple of times. And I was like, dang, this is pretty badass. But I always had kind of a, not like a negative feeling towards it, but just kind of a, I didn't really want to kill coyotes in the summer. Um, because I was, you know, like I said, we were talking about earlier, uh, it's, it's always been kind of a seasonal thing up until yeah. the last, you know, a uh, couple of years. But I, I just felt like if I was killing them in the spring and summer, it was a waste and I should be saving for the fall or winter. Um, when the, when the fur was good, you know, that's how I was back, back then the, the coyote fur was worth a lot more money than it is nowadays. So it was kind of like, you know, my side job in college, um, in between school and, and athletics and stuff, I was trying to find some coyotes every chance I got to, to kill and, and put up in the garage and make some money. So killing them in the spring and summer wasn't really my focus or, you know, what I, what I did a lot. But after I seen it a couple of times with camo, I started to actually go out and just try to get that to happen with him and that's kind of i guess where i got the first taste of it <laughs> so yeah i mean you you and i've talked about this before it's kind of like you know we don't hate coyotes obviously you know we love them you know as crazy as that sounds like mm -hmm. you know so yeah out in the summer you're kind of like ah you kind of feel sorry for them a little bit you know you're like oh, okay you know like like you said you're specifically look you're, you're looking specifically for a certain coyote to to shoot it's it is not it's like a free-for-all like in october <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know i guess the only the only time that i would you know say show no mercy that we're getting them all is when we're doing some work for a rancher maybe 
Uh, I got a couple of sheep, oh, yeah. sheep ranchers around the state that, you know, we write contracts with to, to kill coyotes for them when they're lambing or really just all throughout the year. A couple of them, they like to keep the coyotes thin. So kind of look for specific ones. When, when we're doing that, we just, we just get them all. So when it comes to the dogs, is this something that, I mean, how much training is involved in this? I mean, obviously you take a waterfowl dog, right? And you, you see all these, and they're constantly training and doing special things <clears throat> specifically for retrieving birds and sitting there and doing everything right on a decoy dog side. I mean, is this just more instinctual stuff that that's bred into these particular type of dogs or is there, is there a lot of training that goes in into that? Um, you know, I think everybody does it a little bit different, but you know, I get people messaging me and, and asking me quite a bit uh, if their specific breed of dog would, would decoy or, you know, how, how do you train your dog to decoy or, you know, just, just questions like that. And I usually just tell guys, you know, just got to take them hunting uh, a dog with a natural drive, prey drive, or, you know, a good hard driven dog will naturally want to, to go do what, what you're seeing you know, our dog's doing, um, in the videos and stuff, but, but <clears throat> for me, it's been really easy, um, training new dogs and, and young dogs that I've got, um, just, just because of my, my main dog rider, you know, you get a dog that's, that's seasoned, you get one trained up that knows what he's doing, um, and is tolerant of, you know, the younger dogs and other dogs around him, he makes it pretty easy on us on us and, and on, you know, whatever dog he's running with to, to get them to level up. The younger dogs just naturally want to be with the big dogs and they've enough reps, enough reps and enough practice exposure. And they, they pick it up pretty quick. So they're learning more from your experienced dog than they probably are from you as the trainer in some cases then. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I think the biggest things that they learn from, from me probably are <clears throat> just the simple little commands, you know, we give them little noises and, and stuff to, to keep them from chasing the coyotes out of the country or to get in the dog box or, you know, just little things like more that. obedience to kind of stuff. Just exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I was just wondering, you know, you, you see these waterfowl dogs and they, and they got the wing, you know, they got those dummies that they retrieve with and they wrap wing, you know, I just didn't know if there was like some, you know, every now and then I'll see you post a video with your little pups and you have like a coyote pelt and you're dragging it around and they're kind of hanging on it and chewing on it and things like that. Yeah. You know, is that, that's like your version of the duck wing on the, on the dummy, huh? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Whenever they're young, I, I like to introduce them to the fur yeah, as soon as, as soon as you want, you know, the sooner, the better, uh, just get them to, to see, you know, kind of how much interest they have in it, uh, for, for one. And for two, just to get them comfortable around it and make them think that it's just, you know, that's just what they do. It's just a, a toy to them. And <clears throat> we praise them for, for chewing on it and messing with it and playing with it. And then yeah, as they get older, they kind of gain some confidence. Uh, they mature a little bit and run with the big dogs. And then they, they decide, <laughs> okay, now I know what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so walk me through, I'm sure everybody that's listening here 
coyote hunts or is going to coyote hunt, hopefully. Um, walk me through a, st- a decoy dogging stand, like from start to finish, like, you know, the similarities to maybe a, a regular normal fall winter stand versus a, you know, a summer decoy stand, like time on stand, <clears throat> what you're looking for. Are you looking for anything different than you normally look for? Yeah. So there's always a, uh, I mean, there's, there's little key components, you know, like when we're hunting in the fall or the winter, you know, maybe we're, we're setting up on, uh, off the edge of a, a herd of cattle or something where yeah. we know there's, there's probably water. There's probably, uh, mineral licks or cake or, or whatever the rancher, you know, is feeding. Yep. Um, <clears throat> generally there's probably more rodents <coughs> around. Um, whether they're feeding hay, you know, dragging hay, the cows are moving across the ground and, and getting the snow cleared and rabbits like that shit and, and rodents like that shit. And we like it, you know, thinking that the coyotes are around oh, because yeah. of that. Um, <clears throat> kind of similar to, to what you look for decoy wise, you know, when we're, when we're decoying in the spring and summer, obviously there's no snow, but we're looking for uh water is probably my number one um creeks cattle dirt tanks um stock tank you know whatever now water that's because you're looking you're there. looking for dense ultimately you're anticipating that there's a den site somewhere right well yeah the, i mean the, yeah that's I what you're looking for clear that up yeah yeah so like we were talking about just a few minutes ago the 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 meanest uh baddest coyotes in the area are probably going to be the ones with with the pups you know and uh, a coyote's not going to make a den where the pups can't get the water um you know they they usually like to have a a little bit of elevation it seems like um but it it's all kind of just just like in any coyote hunting right it's never everything's exact right coyotes they're all so different that you can't you can't ever pinpoint it but there are a few uh uh components that i think are universal for you know the setup um probabilities yep older coyotes seem to to make better dens obviously they've done it before um more experience and at least in my part of the world they seem to like i find a lot of like really good dens with with older coyotes and like rocky type stuff or you know little little parts of uh terrain that that maybe the den can't get like danger and elements and like weather and and stuff that would maybe get to the the pups can't get to it as easy you know it's not just a an easy hole to to climb down into on this side of a uh sandy creek bank or something like that but generally they they like to be close to water a little bit elevation um rick was was telling me a couple years ago uh when he's you know doing his den thing yeah uh he's telling me about southeast facing hillsides and stuff because the the sun hits yeah yeah yeah, first thing it'll it'll hit they'll get the most amount of, of heat and sunlight that they can get you know from the day on that southeast side but i've i've noticed really no relation to i mean there's there's not one specific 
um, you know, direction of a hill or, or anything like that, uh, that will t tell you that there's for sure a den over there. I've found dens out in the open flat sagebrush. You know, there's so many little natural springs and stuff like that, that you don't even know are there. Yeah. The yeah. Cats, cats know and can drink out of. So <clears throat> we're still, uh, making, you know, quite a few stands, but like I said earlier, quality over quantity, uh, in the decoy season. And <clears throat> I think that, uh, we definitely probably sit longer, uh, in the decoy season sometimes. So, yeah. So why is that? So, you know, obviously, you know, when we're running and gunning, you know, making eight, 10, 12 minute stands, it's usually because either the coyotes are there or they're not right. Coyotes ain't coming from a long ways. I mean, are you sitting there longer because sometimes the dogs are just working that far out and it just takes them that much longer to get back to you kind of a deal and bring coyotes with them or. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Um, if the dogs are working and ranging out good, you know, and doing their thing, I'd say that is a, a good reason why we'd sit there longer. Just kind of let them go hunt and, and range out and do a loop. And then when they get back, maybe we'll get up and go, but. Like um, back up a minute, ranging out. What are you talking here? Like, like <clears throat> half mile, a mile, like what's, what would be an average that these dogs are scattering out, ranging out? So it just depends on the dog. But for me personally, on, on my decoy stands, I like to have a dog sitting close, you know, like rider cow dog type dog will not, he doesn't want to go very far away from me. Um, you know, if he's on a coyote, he'll go just as far as like my little terriers and stuff, but the little terriers are different. You drop them out of the box and they're gone sometimes, you know, <clears throat> and they're, they just get to hunt and they get going in their nose and they're uh, chasing prairie dogs out there and they're sniffing and, and just doing their thing. And I like to have those mid to long range dogs uh, for maybe coyotes that <clears throat> aren't really fully committing. Maybe they're circling for the wind. Um, you know, or, or looking real hard before they decide to run in and they'll, they'll pick up the scent of the dog before they pick up, you know, your human scent, um, and then follow the dogs back. But I really like to have the, the engagement with the coyotes happen, uh, up close and personal as close as we can get them to us. Um, I think it's just more memorable for, for my guided guys. And I think it's, uh, it's easier to, to get them killed, um, you know, rather than the initial engagement happening out there four or 500 yards. I mean, do these like dogs to, lose, are you losing sight of these dogs for half the stand kind of a deal? Or I mean, or I, obviously the stand probably varies obviously whether you can see or not, but I mean, is mm -hmm. that, that's not uncommon for the dogs just to be gone and, you know, five, six minutes later, here <clears> they come <throat> rolling back in kind of a deal. Yeah. Not my dogs really. Um, they would if I let them, but I don't like them to go out of sight. Uh, personally, I, I like to, to have them where I can see them, um, just in case they get into some shit, you know, yeah, you gotta yeah. protect them, protect <laughs> yeah. them from them, themselves sometimes. But, uh, you know, we're, we're still trying to set up kind of similarly to a fall winter stand by getting a little bit of elevation or something, um, helps to obviously see coyotes coming a little better and, it helps to to get a good safe shot opportunity um you know once the dogs 
hit that transition where they they leave us again and they kind of get down low and are going out and then maybe we can shoot you know when they're in a safe spot or, or whatever it may be but <clears throat> generally i i have a couple terrier type uh hound cross type just mutts and they'll go float around out there like five six hundred yards usually i don't typically let them go too much farther um unless they're you know on the on the trail of a coyote once in a while uh, a guy will miss a miss a coyote and the dogs will pick up the scent and chase it till they catch it <laughs> you know sometimes it's yeah you know, i had a, a a dog named reva and a handful of times she would she would never she would never leave them you know if a hunter missed or something she would run out initially to find or catch the dead wounded coyote and pick up the scent and never get off it until she found the coyote and I would lose lose connection on her collar several times and have to go track her down and I'd find her just over the hill you know face to face with the coyote scrap until until she (laughs) until she knew I was coming over have her back but all the dogs are kind of a little different too. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so like in normal, you know, hunting I do in the fall and winter, you know, people always they're always asking us, right? Like, what are we looking for in setups? And I'm always like, okay, the closer you can get to these coyotes before you stalk calling them, without them knowing you're there, the better chance you're going to have of calling in that coyote, right? So, you know, all the coyotes, I'm trying to get within, you know, eight, six to eight hundred yards of where I think this coyote's going to be. Is that is that distance similar when you're decoy dogging, or can you get in too close to the den site and and mess it all up? You know, basically. Yeah, yeah I I think uh, it's pretty similar. Um, I would say that the closer you can get to the den, the better. You know, <clears throat> if you can get into uh, a range that makes the coyotes uncomfortable and, and makes them think that maybe one of their pups is definitely uh, in trouble, then I feel like we're, you, you'd be getting more aggressive and, and more just a better, better response and engagement um, from the jump. But on the same note, I've seen, you know, I've seen the pups on the hole 200 yards from us and coyote, the, the mom and dad coyotes don't, they see the dogs and they don't want nothing to do with them. So is that because they saw you like saw you all walk in been. there kind of a deal probably? And then they're like, eh, I'm good. Could have been. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but it, from my experience, it, it doesn't really matter. Like once the coyotes, I mean, the, the, the best, baddest coyotes that are going to sh- put on the best show and be the most aggressive and the meanest, they don't care uh, about the human presence at all. You know, they, they don't care. They run down, smell you 10 times and you would never guess, you know, they, they still come back just as hard each time. Yeah. Yeah. So but for the majority, I'd say, yeah, you know, <clears throat> you're getting seen coming in and the coyotes may still come a little bit, but they may hang up. They may circle. It just depends. Every coyote is so different. Every setup so different. Um, <clears throat> you just never really know. What's what you're going to get out there doing this stuff. What's, what's the closest you've ever found den sites to each other? D- totally different coyotes. 
Um, have you ever sat up where you had like two den sites and you got lucky and were kind of like right in the middle of them? And yeah, actually, uh, this this year back in May, um, we decoyed two different uh, groups of coyotes on the same stand. We had three or four <coughs> coming. I'm guessing off of one den uh, from our left, one direction, and then we had three other coyotes come um from another den off our right and we ended up killing the two females that were both wet um you know that had pups so i think that certain areas obviously have more coyotes obviously more dens um but generally speaking i feel like the territorial boundary keeps the the dens a, a fair bit apart that's interesting. I've always wondered that sometimes, you know, you just never know, you know, you know, coyotes themselves are scattered around and, you know, sometimes they're packed in there. I just didn't know if the dense sites, sometimes they would set up half a mile from <laughs> each other, or if it was always way far away where they'd never have interactions with each other, you know? Yeah. Huh, that's mm -hmm. interesting. It seems like, uh, there's always, you know, like a den will always have like a group of coyotes, a pack of, of coyotes to, to help and, and take care of the den um you'll have like transient coyotes that <clears throat> didn't have the pups or are not you know mom and dad to the pups but they're still there helping out they're still coming to to want to fight if shit goes south or, or whatever and <clears throat> usually it's you know a couple males um some of the best stands that i've ever had have been you know just two or three male coyotes and then the female hanging hanging back a couple hundred yards just yapping um but that family of of coyotes sends the the males in almost as like the the fighters and the scouts or whatever you want to call them just to see if you know they can handle it without the mom putting herself <laughs> and her pups in danger or something See, that's wild to me i mean i wonder what I wonder if there's, there's gotta be some studies on that out there. Like that really would, maybe there's not, maybe not. Nobody's really cared to, to study that, but it's weird to me. Is that, is that because they're protecting or is that like these, these lone male coyotes still just swarming around hoping to, you know, get their peace when they can. I, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, intriguing to me why, you know, I've heard you talk about it before. Like, like there's this, and I've heard it from others, like there's this nanny coyote, right? Like this third wheel, yeah. right? Or something like that. I mean, I, I mean, like, yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's yeah, strange, and then, man. Yeah. And you'll have like, uh, you know, I think so, once in a while, those, some of those male coyotes are coming in to, to maybe try to kill the pups and eat the pups. You know, I don't, it's hard to say, be just because like we said earlier, the, every coyote's so different, you know, we'll have, <clears throat> females that come in and kind of hang back and maybe don't put themselves right in the front lines and and just let the the male coyotes try to handle it first or whatever but then you'll go down the road and have a pair roll in or a couple coyotes roll into the stand and the female will be the the meanest trashiest one of the whole group <laughs> you know and she'll be the first to try to go to go get the dog so 
it's strange. It seems like the older coyotes are, you know, they, they're not going to hang back and, and let the, their <coughs> pack try to hit. They're going to be right there in the mix with them trying to, trying to regulate. So now you're, you're actually calling too, to some extent, right? I mean, is that still what's really <coughs> most of the time are, are the coyotes coming to the sound and then they get to a point and then they finally see the dogs and start working or is there, or is it mostly they see the dogs first and, and it's on. Yeah, we're, we're calling, um, you know, in the decoy season, I usually start out with a, a serenade or a, a howl of some kind. Uh, I use that mom pub serenade quite a bit. Um, and, it, you know, once in a while we'll get a, a response to, to the serenade where I, look over and I'm like, okay, get ready. You can just tell they're, <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. piped up and you're too close. And, you know, as soon as they hear that pub distress, they're, they're coming. But <clears throat> I like to call uh, as little as possible in the decoy season, you know? So once I get the, the coyotes into the stand and they're engaged with the dogs, I'll, I'll shut the call off until they, they start to lose interest. You know, if they start to maybe start to trot away or kind of, looking around like something's not right, you know, and I'll, I'll turn the call back on for just a couple seconds and hit that, uh, <clears throat> you know, spark that trigger again in their brain. And it seems like they just see red, get tunnel vision again, back into <laughs> to wanting to get the dogs and they'll just go right for the call. Um, but I switch up pup distress sounds, you know, three or four or five times for, for situations like that too. And can usually keep them around for a while and <clears throat> see the show. Heck yeah. No, that's, that's crazy. Now, you know, so during the normal fall winter, you know, there's, there's kind of a, a progression, you know, early on in the fall, we have all, you know, loaded amounts of pups all around. That's usually what you're killing a lot of, you know, you get to that middle midwinter, you know, early, late December, January, things getting a little tough, cows getting thinned out, and then it transitions towards the end when when they're breeding, and we we change tactics and things just a little bit throughout that four or five months. Is that the same throughout the decoy dogging season? I mean, is there some differences <coughs> in, like, April, May versus, you know, June, July when it comes to, you know, how you're approaching things? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I'd say – the biggest the biggest change for me is probably just in the the stand or the sounds that I use on stand on uh, the early spring season when the pups are a little younger I try to use some of those um, less aggressive um, sounds on the on the lucky duck I like to use that like tiny pup or uh, tough titty yeah. you know those, those little yeah <clears throat> I use the try to I just try to build up the aggression throughout the stand. So, um, you know, I try to keep it. I don't know if it, it has any effect. You could use maybe the aggressive sounds early on too. I, but for me mentally, it's like, yeah, makes sense. Getting building up and getting more aggressive and trying to keep the, the sound selection, you know, similar to, to the age of the pups maybe, or, or something like that. And then towards the, towards the, what now it like does it does there come a point or is there a point that's too early for decoy dogging and is there a point like 
now getting into late summer where it's like, yeah, it just doesn't seem to work as good. I mean, is that, I just, think it really uh, depends on the coyotes still. Well, I think that as a whole, you'll get a lot more coyotes to, to decoy and engage, you know, uh, June timeframe. Um, there's coyotes out there that'll, that'll decoy all year round, you know, um, guys that run their dogs on stand nonstop. They decoy coyotes in the fall, the winter too, just depends on the coyotes. But I don't, I don't have my dogs out on stand usually past like this time of year, like August is, is about the, the month that I'll slow down on sending the dogs out on stand. Um, and <clears throat> just for me, I, the, the, I don't hunt that much like August, September. I kind of let the, the coyotes have a break and pups get a little older and stuff. But for me in the fall and winter time, I don't, I don't generally like to have the dogs out uh, on stand just because those younger coyotes seem to want to move away from the dog maybe they've had their their butt whooped or something you know oh, yeah, from, yeah. from coyotes and they seem you you get more coyotes to to move away than than you do engage the dogs and you know we're trying to get get my hunters the most shot opportunities we can so we don't want any running away yeah that's just understanding the life cycle right of of where we're at in the time of year right like yeah, you got seventy yeah, percent exactly. six month old coyotes running around. You probably don't want a dog that's bigger than them <laughs> spooking, yeah, exactly. spooking them off, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And I think that you know, too, we've talked about this before. You know, guys that decoy and, and hunt coyotes in the in the summer and the springtime, uh, I feel like have an advantage. You know, when the fall rolls around, too, maybe um, you know you decoy a pair of coyotes and knew they had pups, you know, maybe killed the wet female or something, you know, there's a den of pups probably in the general direction where they came from. Maybe in the fall and winter, you can go back, you know, into that area and, and anticipate calling in a few younger coyotes oh, or, yeah. or finding some, some coyotes that are now grown up. Um, you know, it's just crazy how resilient they are. A lot of times, even, even when you kill the, the pair of coyotes that raised the pups or had the pups, the, the pups don't necessarily die just because you you kill the the older coyotes they'll like i said have the transient coyotes and other helpers of the pack you know help finish them out until they're old enough to to be on their own but i think from a pretty young age they they can be self-sufficient there's so many bugs and and mice and cow shit and just stuff for them to eat oh yeah you know yeah. as long as they're not uh, you know, still milking or, or young enough to where they, they need the, the mama coyote for, for food. I think that they do pretty well. Yeah, it's crazy, you know, decoy dogging, you know, I don't even know how many years decoy dogging has been around, I, you know, decades for sure. You know, it sounds like mm -hmm. it started off with government trappers, right? Like, I don't know if those were the first guys to really figure this out, you know? <clears throat> Yeah, I, mean, I think so. It it's a cool. I mean, I I can see the legitimacy of the tool, right? Like, hey, let's go out. We can find these. We can kill off these old aggressive coyotes because, from a a sheep rancher's perspective, which is what the government trappers were designed to do, right? They're helping out the sheep ranchers. You know, maybe not so much the cattle ranchers, but the sheep ranchers during that summer months. And you know, a pair of coyotes with a den site, I'm sure they're killing off more lambs than you know your 
your lone, you know, juvenile <coughs> transient coyote. So they figured, heck, we can go kill these, per- you know, this tool of using these dogs and no doubt. I don't know. You yeah, ever came but- across anything like who was like the pioneer of decoy dogging? Like, is there any literature out there? Like the first documented dude to ever, ever do this? I haven't, but I, I have seen like old school photos of, of guys, you know, with, with their dogs sitting by them and, uh, you know, a couple of coyotes dead or something like <clears throat> maybe they uh, had used the, the dog to help them. But I think, you know, before any of the long range scopes or e-calls or any of that stuff, I think that the dogs are probably a pretty vital tool, you know, to those guys. I think that, uh, like you said, the, the older coyotes are definitely going to be the more problematic coyotes, you know, the ones that are have had a taste of, of that sheep blood or, or whatever it may be. Oh, yeah. I think the from a government trapper standpoint or uh, somebody that's contracted to kill kill coyotes, you know, predator control dudes, um, killing those, that pair of coyotes, you know, on a sheep rancher's places worth like we said earlier 10 10 of those lone transient coyotes oh yeah yeah younger well, younger guys you know well it seems to me I, and maybe it's just you know all of us us as coyote hunters we're all we're all in a small world connected on social media and things so but it seems like maybe it's not but it seems like the popularity of using dogs not not like you know not running like greyhound type dogs but using dogs like you use dogs not necessarily mm-hmm. for, for the little bit of the decoy dogging, but I, you know, more and more, you and I've talked about this before in a podcast, using those dogs to track down wounded coyotes when you're thermal hunting and things like that. It just seems like it's becoming more and more popular. I'm seeing more and more guys have dogs, you know, that they use yeah. for, for specifically hunting coyotes, not running them, but you know, to hunt coyotes with. Yeah. Without a doubt, you know, the, the internet has made it easy to, to share and show people that, maybe wouldn't know otherwise you know the uh how optimal it is to have a dog uh, <clears throat> at least with you in the box or or in the truck whatever while you're hunting them um just to help catch and recover wounded ones like you said in the dark you know the night that we hunted the winter before last we had that coyote i think Creighton shot and we dropped clyde and reba yeah, yeah. We went to get the truck, and Creighton and I ended up a mile out there in the darkness. <laughs> and the dogs had the wounded coyote caught up and <clears throat> yeah, slowed him down never, for you us. You never so. got it without the dogs, for sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. You know, I've never been decoyed, you know, just with my schedule. It's ne- never worked out. You know, the boys and I went with you that one time. We tried it a couple stands. We didn't get any coyotes, but. I remember you had the dogs with us and we're driving back down the two track and it's like 80 degrees and this road dogs running out there. Right. You know, I can't pass up a good road dog, even in June yeah. or whatever that was. So yeah. I, I hit this sucker running out there, not very far, a couple hundred yards or so. And, but it wasn't quite dead and I was going to finish it off. And you were like, no, no, let's, let's let the dogs have it, you know? And that was the, yeah. the boys, you know, at the time, what the boys were probably like, nine 11 i don't know they weren't they weren't too old <laughs> and you cut those dogs loose on that sucker 
and they got over there and the boys still talk about that they're like dang man those dogs just tore into that coyote you know <laughs> yeah. yeah they love that they're always so jazzed up we drop them on drop the dogs on a coon or a woody <laughs> can we drop the dogs again yeah yeah that was cool yeah it is unique you know dogs obviously dogs and hunting are you know they just go together it's it's just it's interesting to me being a coyote hunting guy that just you know th that how guys are more and more using dogs as part of this to make it work to make it more efficient to you know to kill more coyotes you know it's just part of the it's another tool you know mm -hmm. yeah especially with the pop i think mean, you know <clears throat> they're a huge huge asset in the dark you know the thermal game getting more and more popular and more guys running around out there uh, in the dark, pitch black dark, the grass and, and shit, trying to find dead ones or, you know, maybe yeah. <clears throat> shooting them and, and, you know, making a bad shot on them in the dark or something. The dogs are, are a huge asset and a, a major tool um, for me. And a lot of guys I know nowadays, you know, are able to recover, you know, the majority of coyotes that we, we shoot uh, and, recover them quicker you know you drop the dogs and usually they're you know found within seconds you know they're on the trail within seconds anyway and sometimes they're wounded and go aways and it takes a bit but you know without without the dogs there we'd be running around out there in the dark like chickens with their head cut off <laughs> trying to i've done it played that game many times you know and it's just so so optimal well, when you train me, when you train me one up that can retrieve a coyote out there about four or five hundred yards away and bring it back to the truck for me, I said you'd be sure and let me know. All right. <laughs> There's a couple out there to do it, man. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen a couple of you had that big dog, and maybe Seth Simpson had one. I thought it was jumping up in the back of a truck with a coyote hanging out of its mouth. I'm like, that's yeah, a Seth massive had dog several. there. Seth had a dog uh, that he called Razor, and it was. I remember we were hunting, you know, some steep contract country, some cattle too, but uh, when we were making that dog, we first got him, and it was kind of a pain in the ass when, when he first started training him, the dog would, would get the coyote and go the opposite way sometimes. We're like, no, <laughs> no, got to go all the way twice as far to get him, but eventually he figured it out, would carry him back and, and load up you know, in the truck with it still, he just, they just don't want to let it go. It's, it's their, their prize, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. Several since that have done the same thing, but <laughs> sure makes it easy when you kill, kill a multiple and the dog can drag one for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> what, uh, I'm curious, what's, you talked about briefly that, that stand when you sat up and there was coyote pups on the den, you could see it. What's like the most, you have like a, off the top of your head, like a most memorable stand where, where you were right on the den and there was coyote pups running around and big coyotes running around. It's just <clears throat> anything, anything um, off the top of your head? Usually when, you know, I've, I see pups quite a bit, um, just from doing, you know, homework prior, prior scouting and stuff to know where the holes are, you know, getting in and, and setting up like that. But Usually, if the pups hear the hear the call or the sounds, they they like to go back down or oh, go they hide shoot down out of there. Huh? Yeah, but there was a, a stand I'm thinking of right now that uh, 
I made should have been four years ago now. Um, it was kind of a foggy morning and we walked into this spot and <clears throat> sat down. I looked over and the den was right, literally right where we sat down. And I'm oh, like, geez. holy shit. <laughs> kind of pinpointed. I didn't know that den was there. You know, I'd, I'd heard some coyotes, some pups out there, you know, uh, howling and, and scouting and stuff, but I didn't know exactly where it was, but ended up, I guess, pinpointing it perfectly. And, uh, <laughs> we went ahead, called that stand and had two coyotes, pair of coyotes roll in on us, just come through the, they couldn't have been, you know, a couple hundred yards in front of us, but couldn't see us because of the fog. And they, they rolled in hard, decoyed hard and, and we ended up killing them both. So, do do you ever see the pups like, if the pups are like scattered around the hole out like fifty to hundred yards, do they all like take off like sprinting to the hole and like are diving in there, kind of like prairie dogs do sometimes, or are they always just kind of when you see them are they always just sitting like right on the right on the dirt edge of the hole? Yeah, usually I see them <clears throat> just sitting on the hole playing or messing around or screwing off you know yeah yeah um i have seen uh, a couple a couple different times i've seen just pups out like in the in the dark usually just out like in the middle of nowhere like they're lost or like maybe the mom was moving them or, or something and my dogs have, have found them a couple times and um but i never see them I never see them take off running and dive in the hole like, <laughs> like maybe the the swift fox or red yeah, fox yeah. do. Yeah. Seen those? I've seen them do that quite a few times, but you don't see coyote pups as much. You know, I think it just goes back to coyotes being as you know good as survivors as they are. They generally a, a coyote doesn't dig a hole or make a den, you know, where a lot of people or traffic may be or they usually are pretty hard to find. I've always heard, you know, somebody, we were talking about coyote densities and, you know, maybe, you know, coyote numbers being down in a particular area. And the discussion was revolving around golden eagles, right? And, you know, mm -hmm. these coyote pups sitting out on their hole. And how many, I mean, how many of these coyote pups do you think these golden eagles are picking off from what you've seen? Oh, I'm sure that they get quite a few. I've never actually seen an eagle get one, but um, I'd imagine they're pretty easy pickings for them. I was wondering if that's just kind of why they, they when they're small as you're talking, they're just kind of staying right there so they can, they can dive yeah. down quick when they, <coughs> I'm sure that's a sense of anything. Yeah. I'm sure that's a, a big reason why I think uh, it probably just has to do with the, the area too, you know, you get a place like, um, you know, maybe the sand hills or something in the summertime where the grass and the shit is just so tall. Yeah, it'd be pretty difficult for, for a bird to, to get a pup in there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't, you know, it seems like out in Wyoming, you guys have a lot more golden eagles too. Yeah, we you do. You know, than what we I, have, you know, because you see, you hear about them taking antelope fawns and, you know, see that yeah. kind of stuff. I'm just, I'd be curious. I wonder... I just, I wish there was some place, if somebody's listening and knows a place, I would love to read like a scientific research study on like, you know, obviously an eagle smart, right? Like it knows, like 
it knows that there's a den there. And if it picked off one coyote pup, it's probably going to keep hunting that area. Right. Like in the next yeah. day or two, the, the rest of the coyote pup, is it picking off one every four or five days until there's only one or two left out of six, you know, did it thin out the, the coyote, you know, pup family that much, or is that, nah, they got one and that was it. You know, I'd be curious. Cause that, yeah, that affects be, our coyote be, hunting in the fall for sure. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I think, uh, I think one critter that does probably eat quite a few pups is, uh, a badger. Oh, really? Yeah, I've called it a, I've called it a lot of badgers on pup distress sounds and, you know, they're always low riding to the ground and in the dirt holes looking for prairie dogs and, you know, stuff like that. So they climb down in a, oh, coyote, a coyote hole yeah. and probably eat the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's about the same size as a prairie dog when those uh pups are a little smaller yeah, yeah and badgers are badgers are tough man. <laughs> yeah, that's wild that's crazy just think about all that you know like what's going on yeah. out there when we're not out there watching you know it's wild to see you know the the way the critters interact with each other the antelope or <coughs> even the elk are <coughs> a huge like burden and annoyance when they start to have fawns they see the they see the decoy dogs and they come running trying to chase the the decoy dogs out of there thinking they're coyotes (laughs) trying to get their fawns and then yeah we'll have a coyote running in on the stand and the antelope will cut them off and run them ragged (laughs) and a lot of times they run them out of the stand and they don't come back oh jeez but yeah it's crazy is there is there any huge differences? I know the main thing is obviously the coyotes working the dogs and that you can get away with, you know, a lot more. Like the coyotes aren't looking for you now, right? They're they're just <laughs> engaged with the dogs. Is that the is that probably the main difference between like a fall stand and a summer stand decoy dogging? As opposed to you don't have to be you're not so worried about kind of being hid and tucked in and and things yeah. you're more where you can get good shots and where you can have a little bit of openness around you yeah for sure i tell tell my guided guys you know just try to sit as still as you can until the dogs and the coyotes engage you know once the coyotes and, and the dogs are are hooked up and the you know they're going to start working then you know they kind of forget about everything they know and some of their senses seem to go out the window and stuff but in the fall and winter, it seems like you gotta, you know, up until it's time to shoot, you know, you can't, oh, yeah. you can't be moving around or, or get winded, um, or the stands blowed, you know? Yeah. That's, that's crazy. <coughs> I was going to ask yeah, you about, but... I was going to ask you about the, the shooting part. I mean, is it, uh, I mean, are most of the guys locking into like tripods or are they just shooting off their swaggers or what? Yeah, it just depends. Everybody's got a little different setup, but I try to, you know, if, if I feel like, you know, maybe my my gun and my setup is a little bit steadier for them or, or quieter, if they don't have a suppressor, I'll encourage them maybe to, to shoot my gun or, or whatever. But <clears throat> I shoot the, the QD swagger usually. Yeah. Um, but I, quite a few guys are shooting off their tripods. You know, those tripods I got, those fat boys are, it doesn't get much steadier than that. Yeah, yeah. Tripod, it's just cumbersome and it's kind of tough to maneuver a big tripod when you're sitting down. Um, but 
you know, decoy season is, is the time to do it. So it just depends on, on the hunter, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, I'd say is, is probably what I, what I tell guys to use the most. What's, what's the most times you've seen a coyote get missed in decoy dog season before they finally killed it without the coyote running off. Cause it's still engaged with the dogs. You don't have to drop <laughs> any client names, but you know. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I won't mention any names, but there was a stand where, uh, we, we missed the coyote three times and it ran, it ran behind us twice after two of the misses ran behind us onto the main like County road dogs followed, brought it back, miss again, back to the road, you know, <laughs> follow back, brought it back, miss again. And then it was like, pissed, <laughs> like pissed. Uh, three cracks. Hey, that tells you how good decoy dogging is then. Yeah. That just tells you, you know, where the coyote's mind is once they get into the stand and see the dogs and engage with them, you know, they, they forget about everything they know, but I think, uh, you know, usually I, I limit my guys. I, I put a stop to them. You know, I tell them from the very beginning, you know, one shot and then put the gun back on safety and just hang out. Yeah. The dog yeah. Is in a, it'll, the dogs will either bring it back or it won't come back and we'll have to go find another one. But, you know, you gotta, you gotta just, make the focus on on the dogs and, and watching the engagement rather than than killing them and if the guys are number one priority is to to kill coyotes then you know we can leave the dogs in the box and and just call them in and kill them but we don't ever want to jeopardize a dog or put a dog in a bad situation so so you're saying there's no dumping half a mag on a running coyote out there while you're decoy dogging yeah that's right <laughs> yeah you're no fun party pooper <laughs> well if you want to dump mags <laughs> then they'll have to call you so you can teach them how to do that uh, i've been waiting to see one of your videos here i want to see you shoot one of these coyotes right in the mouth when he when he walks up and they, you know they're obviously real vocal with those dogs there and right when he opens his mouth to like howl you know sharp pal at you just put one right down the back of his throat that's hell yeah i got i got a couple little clips i'll send you <laughs> I put them on the internet uh, uh, it's always fun when they're in your face vocal like that i've been i got a new pistol uh a couple weeks ago and i've been wanting to want to try to get one with that pistol oh heck yeah put a little red dot on or something yeah that's what i'd be doing out there decoy i'm like okay i can shoot this guy pretty easy with my rifle at 100 yards off this tripod but let's make it challenging yeah. right yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it's not like the winner when you miss one and a 20 dollar or 40 dollar bill runs off and you're pissed you know it's like okay this this coyote's serving nothing but entertainment value at this point you know so shit it's gonna be that way in the winter time <laughs> too, yeah fur isn't worth much <clears throat> well let's let's end on your best your best decoy dog and story from this summer you got one <clears throat> yeah let me think here for just a second i know you got that's, something i know you posted yeah, we, some pretty cool videos on your youtube channel there's got there's got to mm -hmm. be one that's just that just stuck in your mind from this past season <clears throat> there is a there's a video on youtube i usually try to take the camera at every stand of the decoy season um <clears throat> video most of the hunts but there is a stand on there i think it's called 
rider decoying three pads at, at close range or something like that. But we had a uh, we had walked into that spot and howled a bunch of coyotes howled back and started doing some glassing and ended up glassing like gosh, I remember like nine or twelve coyotes out across these these meadows and the, we were sitting in some sage and then there were some meadows and then there was a, a another bunch of sage on the other side and the majority of the coyotes were out in that next bunch of sage and they you know we got to be like five seven minutes in none of them were breaking loose or, or wanting to come and i was kind of bummed like damn can't believe they're not coming you know and then all of a sudden I, I caught one trying to slip out like the left side of the meadows and ended up seeing two. I, I was wondering why it was going away. And I started glassing around. I could see two other ones coming, you know, kind of pushing him. I think they were trying to circle for the wind, um, <clears throat> but they broke out of that second bunch of sage and got in that meadow and they all stood out there and started howling, serenading together. And I hit uh, hit Sig, just the, the OG Sig yeah, yeah. and they, it was like 18 minutes into the stand, and all three of them broke loose and came charging across the meadows, but we're still kind of cutting for the wind, and I had just taken Ryder on that stand because we were kind of set up, you know, pretty close to a, a main road, and I didn't want any of my little terrier dogs ranging out on that road or, yeah, yeah. you know, getting hit by a car. So I, uh, I knew that they would probably hit that. They wouldn't probably go across that. It was midday, you know, I knew that maybe they would uh, stick inside of the little square sage pasture that we were in. And hopefully that, uh, you know, fence line to our left would be kind of the buffer. And it was, you know, until they got close enough to see, see Ryder. And then they saw Ryder and forgot about it and just beeline straight for him. <laughs> and <clears throat> ended up coming like all three of them, like 10, 12 feet in front of us, decoying for, you know, six or eight minutes. Really good. You know, I got to see the, the pupils of their eyeballs and the whiskers <laughs> on their nose and then funny part about the whole stand there was a, a buck antelope right behind him he was probably a uh, hundred yards from us just stood there the entire time and watched just watched the show <laughs> like he was just he was just there for the show and then we ended up killing two of them so it was pretty awesome oh, that's pretty wild were those all were those two the males yeah they were all males all males nice. <clears throat> i mean we only killed two of the three but with the camera, you could still, you know, zoomed in, you could see that there wasn't a female. She didn't have any tits on her belly or, yeah, yeah. or anything. It was three males. So guessing, you know, maybe that female or uh, another one of those coyotes that didn't come might have been uh, the, the mothering coyote over there. Dang, that pretty wild. Was that, a, was that a first time decoy Duggan client or guy had been with you before? First, first time with me, yeah, but he had, <clears throat> he got some, uh, he's got a rider puppy and a, a crook puppy and bred them and had a few of his own his own puppies now so he's 
he's completely addicted to it and <laughs> he's into it but it was yeah the first time he'd been out with me he yeah, said that's... it was the the best stand he's ever been on so <laughs> that'd be pretty damn wild <laughs> it was pretty awesome yeah it was one i'll never forget too oh yeah well you got me started i told everybody before the podcast started i'm starting to get the itch just a little bit you know i gotta get baseball done but listen to these stories it's kind of got me rejuvenated a little bit and you know, yeah. get me pumped up you know just get rid of these yeah. 98 degree days and i'll be i'll be ready i'm kind of a wuss you know yeah it's been a hot year this year man but yeah it's hard to it's hard to keep up with you <laughs> i don't i don't think you're a wuss i think that mowing uh kind of keeps your ass in pretty good shape though well yeah i got two more months to whip my ass into shape before i start walking in out of coyote stands right that's right <laughs> Uh, well you mentioned about your youtube video what's what's the title of that so anybody wants to go watch some of this decoy dog and stuff they can jump on your channel the channel is just wyoming predator hunts okay easy enough i half a dozen six or eight new videos from this year on there so yeah yeah nice nice and then uh instagram wyoming predator hunts yeah right yeah website same yeah www.wyomingpredatorhunts.com how how far out are you booked? I mean, are you are you already booking stuff for next summer for next decoy dog season already? Kind of a deal. Yeah, is it- the majority of the guys that that come out and have been coming out, you know, for the last few years are are putting their their days on the calendar while they're still here or uh, before they leave. So yeah, yeah. You know, there's I keep a few open open slots every year for I like to meet and hunt with new guys and and you know do that thing, but um. You know, if you're interested, just just get a hold of me. I'm sure we can work something out. Heck yeah! Like I told you, one of these times we're gonna film some of this stuff. I know it's been filmed a hundred times over, but for the last stand, if I can just, I got to get rid of either lawn mowing or baseball, one or the other, and then that'll free up some time in the summer that we can come film a a hunt doing this because you know we'll yeah. shoot them with blow dart guns or something like that. You know. Make yeah, it fun, that'd but... be fun. Sling, <laughs> get, some, get, some, get some slingshots. Yeah, slingshots. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd uh, be fun. You're busy, man. I know summertime, so <laughs> you got the youngest. Youngest is now getting into it, so oh, you might yeah. be screwed for a while. I got to earn all that screw-off time in the winter somehow, you know? Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, buddy, I appreciate you taking the time to, to jump on here with me. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and if you guys are listening, man, if you're looking for – I know I've talked about some of the guided stuff I do, and obviously I don't have near the the time to do it that Colton does. This is what he does full-time. So if you're looking to come out to Wyoming and see some some badass country, see these badass dogs, Ryder especially that he's talking about, jump onto his website and you can uh, see everything that he has to offer. But, uh, no, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, man, appreciate you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> we'll meet up We'll meet up again this winter, Get some get some killing in sooner or later no doubt looking forward to it (laughs) heck yeah well i want to thank all you guys for checking out another edition here of the eastman's predator pros podcast and making it the number one predator hunting podcast out there those five-star reviews on spotify go a long long ways uh the reviews on itunes go a long long ways so if you love what you're listening to please post a review post it on instagram tag me i'll share your story um once this goes live post it to you colton you can throw it on your story as well um, but yeah. like I said, we can't do this without the sponsor. So I got to thank all of them. Lucky Duck Predator Calls, Juniper Mountain Coffee, Cryptech, Onyx Hunt, Hornady, 
Silencer Central, Sig Optics, and Swagger Bipods. And, of course, a big thanks goes out to Eastman's for putting this all together. If uh, you're looking for a new magazine, looking for the Tag Hub, you can go over to Eastman's.com and find out everything that they have going right now. But until next time, thanks for listening. We'll catch you right here next time on the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast.